So, do you want to change the voice? If it goes off, we'll change it. So, I'm, I'm, um, I'm really excited, man. I haven't, I haven't preached in front of the family for, I think it's probably been about six or seven weeks now. And uh, life has just worked out that way because we've been away and then we, had, we were sick and then things happened. So, uh, first of all, big thanks to Kev last week for stepping up and sharing your heart for the congregation. And I know that the guys would have been blessed. And, um, you know, as I was preparing for this week, um, I really try to be intentional about what I bring. It's not just, oh, well, I'm reading this at the moment and I'll just find something to say. I really do search the Lord's heart for us as a people to find out what do you, what do you want to say to your people, Lord? And um, I felt like the Lord said to me, my people want need encouragement. So this morning's preach um, is from Ecclesiastes 3, if you wouldn't mind just putting that up for me. Um, and it's a, I'm going to read it and then we'll get into it. So it says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. Next step. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. So with COVID, we've been doing that second, but we've refrained from embracing. A time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. Mine's slightly different, so I'll tell you that now. A time to keep silent and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Should be one more, I think. That's it. All right. So I'll just read. My one says, uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. So... Can anybody tell me what season we are in now? What is this time of the year called? Sorry? Silly season or what else? The festive season, Christmas season. So it's not that hard for us as individuals to be able to identify what season we're in right now. We're in the festive season. So if you work in a, in a shopping center like I do, then you will know that it is a Christmas festive season because Boney M is pumping across the radios. There's Christmas decorations everywhere. People generally are in a little bit more of a better mood. Um, and then obviously there's loads and loads of advertising that's coming at you across all of the different platforms to tell you about all the must-have things that you need to buy in order to have an amazing Christmas or festive season. And we're quite good at that. If I have to say to you, which season do we eat Easter eggs in? Oh, now I've given it away. Okay, chocolate eggs, chocolate eggs. You would be able to say it's Easter season, right? And um, I think one of the problems for us as Christians, and it's a problem that I've had to overcome in my own life, is that we, we seem to think our Christian walk with God is only going to have one season. It's never going to change. There's, there's never going to be a time to die and a time to be born. 
It's always just going to be one season. And then we get quite disillusioned and discouraged by the fact that, but why are things changing? You know, last week everything was fine and now it feels like the whole of hell and every single demon is against me. And I think we sometimes actually just need to remember Ecclesiastes 3 where Solomon is basically saying, guys, there's a season for everything, for good and for bad. You see, there's always the, the juxtaposition between the good and the bad. And we're going to dig into those a little bit more. But I, I, want to, I want to encourage us that if you don't know what season you're in, you could actually be fighting against God and what He's wanting to do in your life. Because if you are asking for peace, when God has called you into a season of war, you're not going to get it. And by praying and searching for and trying to get to the season of peace without having won the war, you're actually extending your season. Does that make sense to you? I'll give you another example. So there's a place in the US called Vermont, right? Vermont, according to statistics in 2018-2019, had around 54 days of snow and they received around 201 inches of snow. Now, it's crazy to think that in that season, you would want to go and start planting crops or start planting roses or start planting anything. It's not the right season. You just simply can't do it. The ground is covered in snow, number one. So you're plugging seeds into snow that's just going to wash away. The ground is not fertile, really. It's not ready to be there. It's not ready to receive. So anything that you plant in that season will either get washed away or it will wither and die. So we have to be able to understand what is the season that we are personally in and what season is God trying to take us into. And these seasons are not always fun. As you can do, you can put, just put those up again, just more solid at verse uh, one and go from there. Not all of those seasons are, are great seasons. If we have a look over there, it says there's a, a season to be born and there's a time to die. How many of us want to die? Well, as Christians, we should actually all be kind of like sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of one foot in, one foot out. Um, and this week, and I'll touch on that a little bit later, this week, we personally as a congregation have experienced the time to die with Bruce Madison having a heart attack and going to be in the Lord. So we've experienced this for Bruce was his season to die physically. But yet, even in that, he is reborn into eternity. So, let's have a look at it. A time to be born and a time to die. A plant, time to plant and time to uproot. So maybe you're sitting here today and you actually feel like you are in a season of dying. And can I just say, sometimes death is actually glorious. As Christians, we're actually called to die well. So what does it mean? What does it mean to die well? What does it mean to, to allow the processes of God to kill certain things in us? If I look at someone like Wilmoray, for those of you who don't know Wilmoray, Wilmoray operated within the life of Josh Generation and 412 churches as an apostle, 
He's planted hundreds of churches. He's led thousands of people to the Lord. He was a man that ran the race for God hard. But he, we saw over the process of probably about 18 months, his body started to get infected by cancer. It started to affect his ability to do all of the things that he could previously do. But one of the things, if you guys were at the, um, at the funeral or either watched it online, was that people kept saying about him. Despite the fact that he was, on his last day, he was saying to his daughter, don't forget to tell the kids about Jesus. Don't forget. It's important. Don't forget. Don't forget the kids. Don't get so busy with the ministry that you forget about the kids. He encouraged all the way till literally till he took his last breath. He died. It was his season to die, but he died well. He didn't rage against it. Sure, he went and had whatever medical treatment he did. And we prayed and everyone prayed for him. But the fact is, he died. It was his season to die. But yet, where's the hope? The hope is the fact that, you know, like the Bible says, is to be, to, be, um, uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That moment that he closed his eyes and he was gone, he came into the presence of the Lord. He was reborn into the everlasting, the eternal, the uncorrupted body with all knowledge in the full presence and in the power and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, the thing that he run so long and hard for, he came into in that moment. Through death, he was reborn. Okay. So if you're in a season where you feel like you're dying, there's a part of you that's, that's, that's withering away. I want to put to you that it could be God helping you to get rid of something that's not helpful. Or maybe you feel like you're in a situ- situation where it says there a time to plant and a time to pluck up. My, my, um, my uh, one says a time to plant and a time to uproot. So maybe you feel like in this situation where you are right now, you've been completely uprooted. You've moved countries from Germany to South Africa. You may have moved churches. Throughout COVID, your church wasn't meeting anymore and you wanted fellowship and you've moved churches. Maybe you've moved jobs or have been retrenched and you don't have a job at all. And that security, that root that you had in that financial security is gone. It's out. It's no longer there. And that feels completely overwhelming. You wake up at night and you're sweating, thinking about what's been uprooted, what's been taken out of your life. And I want to put to you, as someone that loves you, that God has not forgotten about you. And quite possibly, it could be actually the work of God in your life that's uprooted you. And I'll give you a practical example of that. I was given a little chili plant as a, as a gift. I love hot food. I love chilies. We planted this in the garden in a good space. It got enough sun. It could get water and all the rest of it. And it grew and it produced chilies. It did really well. And we had lovely, delicious chilies, and I could make my own peri peri sauce and all the rest of it. But then what started to happen is that over time, our dogs would run and they would use that specific place where the chili tree was as their breaking area. <laughs> so the roots started to get a bit wonky, and then all of a sudden it got started to get attacked by parasites that were starting to eat the leaves. 
And all of a sudden, I looked at this chili plant that I loved so much, and it actually looked sick. It had no leaves, it had no chilies, it had nothing in it. And I was at the point, thankfully I've got a beautiful wife that kept me right. I was at the point where I was just going to go, okay, well, this thing's dead and chuck it. And she said to me, no, we don't have to do that. Let's dig it out. Let's put it into a smaller container with some nice fresh fertilizer and all the rest of that sort of stuff. We'll remove it from where it's in harm's way and we'll give it a chance for the roots to go deep. We'll give it a chance for it to get healthy again. And I showed Kev the, the plant yesterday, and it's looking great, eh? It's green, the roots are thick, I'm starting to see my first fly signs of life, the chilies are coming. If you're in a situation now where you've been uprooted, and you feel like you are, I don't know where I am, I want to say to you, maybe it's not the enemy that's done it. Maybe God is bringing you to a place where there's going to be some more health for you. And I want to put to you that it does not just say a time to pluck up what is planted, but it also says a time to plant. And when we plant, what do we do? We put something in the ground. We give it love. We give it water. We give it light. And then we give it a chance to get its roots stuck. And then it starts to grow. So if you've been uprooted, where you land, let your roots go deep. Get stuck in and allow things to work and allow the Lord to work in you. Because once again, if you are trying to not, if you're trying to uproot yourself when God's trying to root you, you're actually fighting against Him. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me? Anybody? Thank you. Hallelujah. Good job. Thanks, man. Right. The next one is a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build. Now you might be thinking to yourself, but sure, hey man, this is a church. This is not the army barracks or an enlistment budget. This is the church. Why would a Christian have to kill? Why would that be there? And I want to put it to you again. I'm, I'm, I'm creating a little bit of of legal precedent with you. I'm taking you guys on a journey with me. I would argue with you that for a Christian, it can actually be a very good thing to kill. And what do you think it is that we need to kill? We need to kill sin. And? Bad habits. Exactly. It's a clever class to say. Gold stars for the two of you. We have to kill. There is a time in your life when you're going to have to kill something. Some of us are in that season right now where we're having to kill certain things that are not producing life in us. It might be something of our sinful nature. You know, we went down to the wedding last week, and I've got to say to you, we stayed in a very exclusive estate, and there's Porsches and Ferraris and all the rest of that sort of stuff, and I like cars. I really do, and I tried all these things, and I was like, you I would love to have just one of the three cars that are lined up in some of those driveways. And something in me went, you know, maybe if I, if I just put more time in at work, if I spend more hours doing, if I spend the time I'm doing church stuff after I was doing work, maybe I could get one of those. You see, there's something in me that wants to satisfy me. There's something in me that would think it would be nice to arrive in a Ferrari and drive down. She doesn't like it, but I love it. I would lap that up. So I'm going to put that thing to death, and actually I'm going to go, you know what? It's 
not about what I want. It's about what He wants because it's all about Him. So I kill my sinful nature. I kill my fleshly desires. And I kill every thought and intention that sets itself up against the mind of Christ. Can I tell you guys a secret? I need you really to listen very intently to me. Because this is a lie that most of us believe. Do you know that it is possible for you to take your thoughts captive? Sure. I want to say that again. It is possible for you to take your thoughts captive. Not every thought that you will think is from God. In fact, I would contest that most of the thoughts that we have are not from God. But unfortunately, we don't put any filters in our minds to stop us from going, is that God? Or is that Danny that's trying to lie to me? So I want to encourage you, this is slightly off my notes, but I want to encourage you, start practicing taking your thoughts captive. Really, it's, it's going to help you. Michelle was just saying to me earlier on how she's just, they're in, a, they're in a journey, they're in a fight right now. And how she's taking thoughts captive and the lies of the enemy. She's filtering it through the Word. She's filtering it through the Holy Spirit. She's filtering it through those around her that can speak life. And she's going, that's not, my, that's not the shepherd's voice. That's the accuser. That's the liar. That's the enemy of my soul. I'm not going to listen to that. Take your thoughts captive, especially in this season. As Kevin said, you know that the Christmas and December period is generally a time of great anxiety and depression amongst people. Their loved ones may have passed away in that season. I look at Lynn, for example, this will be her first Christmas without Bruce. The festive season for her was not going to be very festive. So if we're depending on those things to bring us joy, we're in trouble. So we need to stay focused and we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. We need to look after our thoughts. And in terms of killing aspects of your life, we've had to we've had to die to certain things in our lives. We've had to kill certain things, sin, unhelpful habits, unhelpful thought patterns in our lives. But the thing is that if we continue to kill those things, what comes after? Healing. We move into that season of healing where our mind is now healed. Our mind and our body and our spirits are coming to line with what the Lord says about it, not what our body and our flesh and our minds tell us. It's important stuff. Wholeness, breakthrough. These things can only come through killing sin, killing our, our, our carnal desires, our ungodly satisfactions. And you know what's very interesting? Is that we've seen very often, Chantal and I have done a fair amount of deliverance stuff in our life, and inner healing and stuff, okay? And very often, when we kill the very thing that gives us, that we feel is actually our strength, a lot of people actually don't want to be free. I don't want to be free of that unforgiveness. Because if I, if I forgive, then I've given up my power over that person. Because now I have to be nice to them. And we've seen that as people have killed their flesh through things like rejection and let go of it, unforgiveness, bitterness, these sort of things, we've actually seen people get physically healed by doing something spiritual and saying, I'm going to choose to forgive you. And they've been physically and spiritually healed. So very often that killing can come 
with healing. Right? Making sense. Following me. I'm not going to go through all of them for the sake of time. So I'll pick two or three that I really think are, are relevant. But if we look at verse 4, it says, A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. And um, I thought the timing of this was very interesting given what happened with, with Bruce Addison this weekend with Lynn who, and Bruce unexpectedly passing away. You know, for, for Lynn and for the family and those of us who know him, like we find ourselves now in a season of mourning. We, we mourn and we weep for who he was and for what he meant to us and the uniqueness that he brought. For those of you who knew him, it was a wonderful, intelligent, just witty guy. Had a great sense of humor um, and had his own quirks. He was a special person and we'll, and we'll miss him. But right now, we're in a season of weeping and mourning. But what comes after? You know, just interestingly enough, it was so, so interesting. Uh, I got called quite quickly, and, and when I arrived, um, Bruce was still, still lying on the, on the entrance to their flat because we couldn't move him yet. Um, and, then, and some of the neighbors came around, and, and we were comforting them. And you know that even in that time of mourning and shock, we could find laughter at some stages to laugh about some of the, the funny things that he had said and done in his life. And it was almost like as we were in the season of weeping, we could find something to laugh about with him. And we could actually find something of a joy in us. And I'll talk to you about the time to dance because when I think about it now, he's, he's, he's gone. And he's in, the, he's in the glory. His race is run. He's finished. He's done with this life. And he's gone into that eternity which is our promise. And when I think about that, it actually makes you want to dance. Because I'm like, I can't wait for my turn. I can't wait to see him face to face. Where all of my hard work is done. Where all of the pain and anxiety and the fear and the stress. All those things are gone. And I come into fullness of joy with the God that I love and who loves me. Weeping and mourning is not just related to death. It can be related to our lives. And I know for many of us in this congregation, actually we're going through some real stuff at the moment. There's some real things happening. I don't downplay those things whatsoever. But if you are in the time, if you are in the season of weeping and mourning, I want to build you up today. I want to give you the promise that's in the Word of God that there's going to come a time when we together will laugh. And there's going to come a time when we together are going to dance. And we will look back and see the hand of God in our suffering. Because He doesn't make us suffer for nothing. He is the God of promises. Then, we'll skip to verse 5, please, Ryan. This one's going to read it from mine because it's slightly different. It says that there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refresh, refresh, uh, refrain from embracing. So I don't get this thing. Like casting stones away and bringing stones together. Like I don't get it. It's not a concept in our modern language that we understand. So as I started studying this, 
even within the scholars, you know, the guys that are telling us about what this stuff means, there's some conjecture, but the general kind of thread of what this means is that the gathering of stones was, um, was associated to the building of defenses. So we would be building either a boundary around our land, or we'd be gathering stones to build a wall to keep invading armies and those people that are coming to attack us, either to slow them down or to keep them up completely. And it might seem for you at the moment, I don't know, but for some of you, you definitely feel like this, like you are under the attack of the enemy. It is relentless. It's finance, it's health, it's family, it's job, it's just everything is happening. And you're just completely hopeless. What can I do? I can't stop. I, 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 I don't know where to go. And I want to say to you, maybe this is your season to gather stones. To build defenses. To start putting certain things in place that are going to stop or slow down the enemy. And keep that flood from coming in. And how do we do that practically? Well, we don't have a look at what does the word say about our situation? What does the word say about our life? What promises that I can what promises are there within the word of God that I can hold on to and, and eat as my daily bread? We can get perspective from guys in our communities and our leaders. That's that's why guys are here. You know, we've got a lot of different people with different skill sets, different experiences, different things that they've been through. If you want to know about health and hormones and all the rest of that sort of stuff, Chantal would probably be quite a good person to speak to. She's experienced the stuff this year to the nth degree. And we've had to build and we've had to gather certain stones in our own lives to be able to protect against the attack of the enemy. Sometimes it might take a change of law of your diet. Maybe that stone that you gather is a change of what you're putting into your body because your body personally is not reacting well to sugar or whatever it may be. Insulin resistance like me. I've had to change certain things. That's stones. That's things I'm gathering and I'm creating something which is keeping the enemy at bay because he wants to steal, kill and destroy. And I'm not, I can't allow him to do that. Yeah. And then... What I really want to say to you is, I think this is so beautiful. You know, God's got different names. You know, eh? there's a number of different names. There's 13, 15, 16, something like that. There's Adonai and there's Jehovah Jireh, the one that provides. For you who are building your defenses and are in the season where the attack is coming like a flood, I want to give you the name that, you hold, that you're going to hold to in this season. And that name is El Roy, the God who sees me. That's a name that he's chosen to give himself. The God that sees me, the God that sees you. And when you're lying in your bed at night and you're crying yourself to sleep because of your circumstances, I want you to remember the name El Roy, the God who sees me. Is that, not, is that not an amazing encouragement? Of all the I mean, I think to myself in my human flesh, if I was going to give myself a name, it would be Chona Mighty, Chona Powerful, 
Sean the everlasting. And he does have those names. He does. But he's also God who sees me. Yeah, that's amazing. Hey? All those names. He goes, I'm the God that sees you. That's amazing. I love it. I think that, that encourages me. So I want you to know that God sees you. He goes before you and he stands behind you. And then we look at the second part where it says that there's a time to cast away stones. What does that mean? Well, sometimes we gather stones and build little defenses around our heart that are not going to be. And then God hasn't called us to put up. And I don't know about you, I don't live in a perfect world. So people have hurt me. Leaders in the church have misused me and abused me and treated me wrongfully and done things to me that they shouldn't have done. I've had people in the workplace cheat me out of money, abuse their authority over me, do a whole lot of things. I've had friends that have stolen friends from me and not invited me to birthday parties. I've had a best friend that died in a car accident and after that happened, I said, I'll never love a friend again like I ever did. And I put a wall up against my heart. I pulled some stones together and said, it hurts too much to love. I can't do that. I don't ever want to feel the pain that I'm feeling now again. I never want to do that. But the Bible says that there's a time to cast away those stones. And I want to put to you today, could there be some stones around your heart that need to be cast away. Where you need to give God the opportunity to speak into those things, to bring healing, to face things, and to drop our defenses, our self-defenses, and just drop them and say, hey, you know what, it's going to take guts to trust again. I'm not sure that I can trust again. Because every time I've trusted them, they let me down. Every person that's ever been in in, in an area of responsibility or authority over me has abused me and treated me badly. I'll never trust men because they just want one thing. I'll never trust women because they just criticize and gossip. There's a lot of defenses we can put in our hearts. And we see that the Solomon is telling us that there's a season where we need to cast those stones away. We need to drop those defenses. And we need to let God and His people minister into those things. And then my final point. My final point is from verse 8. It says that there's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And once again, like, hey, we're talking about killing here and now we're talking about hate. Like, as Christians, aren't we called to love? But we are actually several. I've got several scriptures. I've only used two of them. I didn't get into so don't but we are actually called to hate. In Proverbs 8.13 it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Romans 12.9 Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, which is another word for hate. What is evil? Cling to what is good. Guys, I need to tell you, you need to be ruthless. And you need to hate sin. You need to hate the things that are going to pull you out of relationship with God. 
They're not to be played with. You can't delve with it. You can't, you can't be half pregnant. You're pregnant or you're not. You've got to be half pregnant. You can't be half broke. You're either broke or you're not. You can't be half saved. You're either saved or you're not. We have to hate what God hates. And we have to love what He loves. If you've got things in your life that are causing you to compromise or that are causing you to repeatedly sin, you need to hate those things. You need to develop a hate for those things today because they are not helpful. And we know what the Bible says. The Bible says that sin gives birth to sin, gives birth to death. The wages of sin is death. I tell you now, the beginning of your journey, hate that. Hate it. It's there. There's a time to hate. And we don't hate all the time because sometimes actually we can be doing well with the Lord. And then maybe that's the time to love. So we have to hate. I want to say to you the same way, love the what God loves. In your season to love, love. And you know what? Sometimes guys, love is going to look different. The love that Lynn Addison will need in this season with her husband dying is the different love to the love that you're going to give a couple that's just welcome their baby. It's both love. But the expression, the outworking of that love is different based on the person that's in front of you. So when you're in a season of love, and I would argue that we should be in a permanent season of love. When we're in that season of love, remember this, love is a doing word. It's not an emotion. Oh, I don't love you anymore, so that's it, we done. I don't feel like I'm in love with you anymore. No. Love is a doing word. If I say to Ivan, Ivan, I love you, and I see Ivan walking out here and he's having a conversation with his cell phone and he's walking across the road and there's an 18 wheeler truck that's coming lurching towards him. Man, I'm going to tackle him, trip him, kick him, do whatever I need to do. Even if I have to hurt him a little bit, I'll get him out of the way of that truck. Yeah. Because love's a doing thing. I can't just say, to him, oh, I love you. I love you. Check out the truck over here. Yeah. I get in a fight. I get in a fight with him. I love him really deeply in truth. And when it's your season to love people, love them. Wherever it may be. In your workplace. Michelle, you've got people coming through your door, doing their nails and You've got time with them. Love them. You don't have to necessarily be heavy. Christianized about it and how you love people. The world doesn't know how to receive love anymore. The world doesn't know what love is anymore. Yeah. I want to put it to you that when we love, we love practically. So as I wrap, that's it for me. I want to ask you, and I want you to think about this as individuals. Don't read through Ecclesiastes 3. When you get in your part of ask the Lord, Lord, what season am I in? And what season am I going towards? And then ask for grace for the season that you're in. And it doesn't need to be a bad season. If you're in a good season, thank God, praise God, and so, so love, so, so peace, so all of those things out of that season. But if you're in a season where it sucks, Ask God, what, what's happening? Where am I now? 
down so that I can partner with them and then talk to your community leaders, talk to the deacons, talk to your friends that are godly friends and say, hey, I actually think I'm in a season where I need to build up a couple of walls. You know, I'm not very disciplined in the way I'm stewarding my home. It's always dirty. As a result of that, I've got ants that are coming and it's eating my food. And, you know, how do, I, how do I build some defenses? Can you come alongside me and help me in this season? Because I want to get through the place of having to build defenses to the place where I can start breaking those things down. And this is what we do together as a church. This is why we do this. Because alone, it can be very difficult for you to know what's in here. Right, so I want to pray for us. Do you want to say something? Okay. Yeah, I, want to just, I just want to pray for us because I know that we're in different seasons and um, 